The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii, Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Greetings in the sweet name of Jesus. I'm Head Pastor Billy Han Jr. And I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We'd like to welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XD TV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KB TV channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV, Channel 15.3, and Comcast Channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming and from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world with the sign of the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon. A landmark in Cali for 100 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hans Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. To start off our musical program, the church choir, under the direction of Emilia Hahn, will sing the uplifting song, God's Choir. 
Yes, saints and friends, soon and very soon, when the Lord returns for his own, we hope and pray that we all will be a part of God's choir in the sky. God's choir will sing like angels and make his praise glorious with words of inspiration. Let the heavens rejoice and then let the earth be glad that our Lord and Savior is Lord of all and worthy to be praised. Please follow along and sing with the choir as you see the words appear on your screen. band under my direction will play the song, Oh, That Thrills My Soul. Let Jesus into your life today and you'll be thrilled with the comfort and sweet peace he provides to your soul. The Lord is knocking at the door to your hearts. Won't you answer his call and accept him as your personal Savior, Master, and Lord? For today is the day of salvation if you will but hear his voice.
Associate Pastor Seth McConnell Sr. will use his God-given talents to sing the Spirit-inspiring song, In the Name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to heal, to restore, to overcome, and to save. We are privileged to have the gospel of the kingdom of God to share with everyone. The gospel, the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes with Holy Ghost and with fire, and Jesus is coming soon. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. Who can tell what God can do? Who can tell of His love for you? of Jesus, Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. When we stand in the name of Jesus, tell me who can stand before. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. Who can tell what God can do? Who can tell of His love for you? In the name of Jesus, Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. When we stand in the name of Jesus, tell me who can stand before We have the victory. Who can tell what God can do? Who can tell of His love for you? In the name of Jesus, Jesus, we have the victory. We have the victory. We have the victory. The church choir will now sing their final song for the day entitled, Goodbye World, Goodbye. As we say goodbye to the earthly things of this world, we say hello to all the wonderful opportunities that are in store for us in our walk with the Lord. As we cast all our cares to the Lord and lay our burdens at the Savior's feet, it is comforting to know that He will work all things out and give us the victory. Mm -hmm. 
now hear from the trombone section of our church band to give God all the praises and glory with the uplifting song, By His Stripes, We Are Healed. Our Lord is a great and mighty physician that has never lost a case. He is the God of miracles as we put our faith, hope, and trust in His precious name. He is able to touch and heal, for all things are possible with the Lord. selection will be the men crusaders to sing the toe tapping and lively song keep on the firing line the words of this song are so motivating it serves as a powerful reminder to believers that we must be brave and fight against all evil that would come against us we must be consistent in our walk with god and never run nor even lag behind in this battle keep this in mind and know that god is in control all of the victory belongs to the Lord as we continue to trust in Him and keep on the firing line. At this time, it gives me great pleasure to dedicate this beautiful number to a dear couple in Christ who is none other than Mr. and Mrs. Jack and Edna Wright Sr. May the Lord continue to strengthen and keep you safe in the hollow of His hands and pour forth His bountiful blessings upon you both. Have a wonderful Sunday. You're in the battle for the Lord and right. Keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die of fighting, it is no disgrace. A coward in the service, he will find no place. So keep on the firing line. Oh. 
fight, fight, be brave, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you must win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. God will only use the soldiers he can trust. Keep on the firing line. If you ever throw them, bear the cross, you must keep on the firing line. Life is but too labor for the master dear. Help to banish evil and to spread good cheer. Pray to be rewarded for your service. So keep on the firing line. Oh, you must fight, fight, be brave, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you will win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. When we get to heaven, brother, we'll be glad. Keep on the firing line. I will praise the Savior for the call we had. Keep on the firing line. When we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus from their paths of sin, with a shout of welcome we will all march in. So keep on the firing line. Oh, you must fight, fight, be brave, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you must win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. Oh, you must fight, fight, be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you must win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. Oh, you must fight. Be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you must win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. Just keep on the firing line. Just keep on the firing In the sweet name of Jesus, I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and would like to repeat our television time, station locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV Channel 15.3 and Comcast Channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. 
from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now, concerning the scheduled gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begins at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At Okamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services held every Wednesday evenings only at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloi in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Lenny K. Y. Asano Sr. in Kaloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera and President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I'd like to return our program back to head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. What a glorious day to read the Word of God with you. As I present my sermon entitled, I Perceive Your Devotions, generated and inspired by God's Holy Spirit. Have you ever sought to help to overcome some monumental problems and not found that help? Have you needed guidance and direction to do right in the eyes of God, that is to live a life above sin? In this time of peril, have you wished for that special protection to sustain you, whether in or out of the house of God? Well, look no further. The answers to these questions are within your reach and are found in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Join us in these weekly telecasts, and I'm sure the solutions will unfold before you. Mankind is guilty of wrongfully devoting his efforts, time, and substance to those things that are of no use to him. Is there anything upon this earth that deserves a sincerest devotion other than to God? There is none. We are told that God is a spirit, and all they that love him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible tells us that if we have true faith, a physical representation 
of the Spirit of God is not required. God will not approve anything mankind might have generated for himself that will bring about a sense of satisfaction and comfort. After all, did not Moses destroy the golden calf by grinding it to dust because Israel devoted itself to it? Therefore, it is presumptuous of mankind to devise any idol, figurine, or anything else fashioned with their vain imagination to characterize the invisible God. The only physical representation of the invisible God that was created by him for an intended purpose was Jesus, the Messiah and Christ. The scripture tells us in Colossians 1:17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Let us read in Matthew 22:34 to 40. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thine soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The answer given to this pretentious lawyer was unexpected. Being educated and versed in the laws, this lawyer wrongfully placed himself above Jesus. His questioning was a form of retaliation because Jesus had previously insulted the lawyer's peers. This lawyer expected Jesus to be confused and assumed Jesus to be one who lacked the resources to give an appropriate answer. However, to his amazement, the words of Jesus pierced his heart. Jesus did not answer with the letter of the law as expected, but with his sovereign power. He summarized the entire law by revealing the foundation it was built upon. Thus, the law that was given to man was purposed to improve man's relationship with God. Jesus pointed out to the lawyer that the very basis of the law was love. And by loving God, one would abide by God's commandments and shun participating in evil works. Historically, Israel failed its commitment to the one true God. On several occasions, Israel was cautioned about compromising its faith. The Lord instructed Israel to denounce the gods of the land that the people were about to inhabit. God blessed them with the land previously promised to Abraham. They were instructed to avoid the sinful lifestyle 
that brought destruction upon the previous occupants. They were not to intermarry, and most certainly not to embrace their false gods. To render reverence to the strange gods of the land would be an abomination in his eyes and cause for adversity and chastisement. He would be their god and deliverer as long as they reverenced him and held him in the highest esteem. However, Israel failed on all fronts and violated the first two of the Ten Commandments. Let us read in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 to 5. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. The commandments given to Moses on tables of stone were a list of prohibitions. It would clearly identify prohibitive acts that Israel and all of mankind were prone to do. If man was not inclined to devote and worship something else other than God, the first commandment would not be needed. If there was no malice, jealousy, envy, and covetousness in the heart of man, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, would not be required. If man was not inclined to lust after one another and covet his neighbor's wife or husband or commit fornication, the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, would be of no necessity. Therefore, as you can see, the laws were added because of transgressions. It should be noted that the law could only restrain mankind from sin, but could not remove the sinful heart. Thus was another law given in Christ. So all those who came to him would find the righteousness of God through faith and by their conscience cleared of sin. Let us read in Romans 10, verses 4 to 10. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart of man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Most people will do almost anything except admit to wrongdoing, and of a greater rarity say, I have sinned. Mankind has perfected its efforts in explaining away sin. We place blame on hereditary, environment, dysfunctional families, 
but never on the willingness to sin. Paul tells us that the only hope for salvation and reconciliation to God is through Jesus Christ. The way to salvation and the promise of eternal life has not changed since it was first preached by Jesus. It has always been believe in Jesus Christ, call upon his name, repent and be baptized, be filled with his Holy Spirit and live a life above sin. Today, there is an urgency for evangelism. The gospel is good news with Jesus Christ being the center of its message. To believe with the heart means to make a conscious decision concerning salvation, redemption, and act on that decision. Let us turn to and read John 3, 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Here, Jesus expounded the word of God to a member of the Sanhedrin. His name was Nicodemus, and he was a Pharisee. We often associate the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees as fierce adversaries of the Lord. For example, the reputation that preceded Paul before experiencing the grace of God. Regardless of the persecution and unbelief, it is in the heart of God that all men come to repentance. What brought Nicodemus to this point in his life was the spirit of conviction and repentance. He respectfully acknowledged Jesus as a rabbi. The godly fear that possessed him permitted him to rise above the opinions of his peers and tradition. He was able to recognize that Jesus was not only a man of God, but was anointed with his spirit, sent of God, and with whom God was with. Nicodemus had an appreciable level of zeal for righteousness. However, he felt a void within himself that only Jesus could fill. Marveled over the very presence of Jesus and the works that surrounded him, he asked within himself, could this be the true Messiah the prophet spoke of? Nicodemus viewed Jesus as an answer to prayer and prophecies given to Israel. To view Jesus in any other manner would make the gospel ineffective. Therefore, Nicodemus did not attempt to explain away the miracles, but joyfully accepted them as a sign of confirmation. He seized the moment and went to Jesus by night for fear of being persecuted by his peers. Doing so, he was enlightened about the gospel. It is likened to the many visitors who come to the worship services, inquisitive about the ministry. I pray, TV viewers, that you will see Jesus as he is. You may have his name on your lips, but is Jesus in your heart? You may already have a relationship with Jesus, but has it been perfected by keeping God's commandments? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let us turn to you and read Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What is repentance? It is God's sorrowful sin, meaning one becomes remorseful about one's sinful nature and desires to live a life that glorifies God. Remission means to have one's sins removed completely. What is water baptism? Water baptism is an act of good conscience toward God, which has been sanctioned by God. When converts step into the pool of water, they are following the footsteps of Jesus when he stepped from the banks of the Jordan River and into the water. Today, we are living in a very complicated technology-oriented society. 
Yet God has chosen the simplicity of water baptism as a vehicle for transforming the old nature of man to the new creature in Christ. Water baptism symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you recall television viewers, Jesus was baptized, thus setting a pattern for all believers to follow. Let us read of Jesus' baptism in Matthew 3, 15 to 17. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Though Jesus was born sin-free, yet he chose to be baptized for sin. Though he was sent of God, he humbled himself that he might be the example for all men to follow. His obedience to commandments was acknowledged of God with a I am well pleased. The fabric of the gospel was illustrated at the River Jordan. The people witnessed what all men were to do, whether in the present or in future generations. They saw its author humble himself by passing through the waters. They learned that no matter how clean one might be, the sinful nature is of the conscience and can only be cleansed by being born again of water and of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus because he was obedient and now free of sin. His body became a temple where the Spirit of God might dwell in. Jesus brought the gospel to life, with Nicodemus being one of the many to hear the good news. To be born of the Spirit means to receive the Holy Ghost. It is a gift from God to our people, being blessed with His presence, as evidenced by the speaking in an unknown tongue. After Jesus ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives, the gift of the Holy Ghost was given to the 120 believers, who by faith assembled in the upper chamber. It was a promise that was given to them throughout His ministry. Now was the time for the promise of the Spirit to be fulfilled. Just imagine, out of the multitudes that saw Jesus, heard, and witnessed His works, only 120 remained faithful. The 11 apostles and Mary, the mother of Jesus, are listed as being present. Let us read in Acts 2, 1 through 4, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost was a new experience for the 120 believers, as well as for the multitudes that dwelt in Jerusalem. For the disciples, the presence of the Spirit was intoxicating and euphoric. For those in the streets of Jerusalem, it was an unexplainable phenomenon, leaving them in a state of conviction and confusion. What caused it to be in awe was the fact that these simple people spoke of the wonderful works of God. Those who were in one accord with the Lord felt the power of the Holy Spirit as of a rushing mighty wind. They saw similitude of the Holy Spirit, cloven tongues like as a fire. They heard the evidence of the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yes, that particular day of Pentecost was special. The Feast of Pentecost that was practiced for generations became very special to the 120. On that morning, 50 days following the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the Lord formed His first church, calling it Pentecostal. It is always exciting and invigorating every time I'm able to preach the gospel. Yes, television viewers, today is the day of salvation, if you will listen to the voice of the Lord. Let us read in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, 
for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When a person hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are only two possible choices that can be made, acceptance or rejection. However, to make no decision, always to make a no decision. The name of Jesus is very important to salvation. The scripture tells us that the name of the Father is Jesus, the name of the Son is Jesus, and the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. The manifestation of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Ghost are born in one person, the man Christ Jesus. Today, the world is living on borrowed time. Over the years, the church entered into each decade with much anticipation, knowing that the days were being shortened for the elect's sake. Fear of the unexpected plagued many, but for the church, the coming of the Lord is apparent. You might ask, when will Jesus fulfill the promise of his return? No man knows the hour, the day, or the year of his return. The knowledge of that day is reserved for himself alone. However, viewers, your concern should not be when Jesus will return, but more importantly, believe that Jesus is coming again, and will you be prepared when he does? Let us turn to and read Acts 17, 16. Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Evidently, Paul toured the city of Athens, and what he saw confused him great discomfort. He saw more gods in Athens than anyone could shake a stick at. What angered him even the more was how the devil managed to maintain a stranglehold upon this very populated city. Obviously, the Greeks made a god for everything. What is received was confirmed by a plaque and altar dedicated to the unknown god. Does idolatry do anything for those who choose to reverence them? For these, an idol becomes a spiritual crutch. They have something tangible, whereas God is a spirit and cannot be seen. Rather, by love and respect, followers are cursed into worship by fearing the potential wrath of the false god. These followers fail to see the reality that the idol cannot speak, hear, see, or move, and therefore cannot help them in any of life's problems and conflicts. Furthermore, the idol cannot save or deliver them, any of them from sin and neither from the wrath of the true and living God. Let's continue reading verses 20 to 25 and 29. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, E men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him I declare unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we are not think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's devices. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. It was obvious that the Athenians devoted themselves to idolatry and were always being subjected to the philosophers of the day, bearing the message of the gospel. Paul drew attention to himself. Some people were curious of the doctrine of Jesus and of the resurrection of the dead, while others ridiculed him by referring to him as a babbler. In his preaching, Paul called them superstitious meaning their belief in attitude was not based on the living God, but in the fear and curiosity of omens, charms, and of the unknown. He informed that God is willing to forgive them of their past sins. However, after his preaching, they have no excuse in not working out their salvation with fear and trembling. The multiplicity of idols in Athens indicated that the people were religiously based. However, religion never saved anyone. 
The Athenians feared the anger of the gods, and to have such a god for an idol is unwarranted. Thus the altar erected to the unknown god was to ensure no god was omitted. For us, the existence of the true God is not hidden from us, because as true born-again believers, we know his name, which is Jesus. The commandment given to Moses at the top of Mount Sinai was, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It should be considered that the commandment is not restricted to that of idols, figurines, and things that pertain to nature. We cannot consider ourselves free of idolatry just because we do not have a tree, a piece of rock, or a piece of wood in the center of our living room as a decoration or enshrined to whom we might direct our devotions. Through the Holy Ghost, we can see that God is concerned as to where we place our devotion as well. There are many things people in our civilized world have put before God. It can be the involvement in spark activities, a person's employment, or even our family members to name a few. Yes, viewers, you might have a desire to spend Sundays on the golf course rather than to be in the house of the Lord. You might not consider the coming of the Lord as important because there are so many pleasures this world has to offer and you have yet to experience. You might consider spending quality time with your family as being of greater importance than spending the time together in the house of God. When Jesus subjected himself to the devil for 40 days, it was to show us that the walls of the devil and to demonstrate that through the word of God, we can overcome the temptation. Let's read in Luke 4, 5-8. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. For if thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The words him only excludes any personal object to which we might give our worship and service instead of to God. Satan has succeeded in deceiving many to break into the first commandment by causing many to love the Lord in their own way. This enables mankind to participate in a sinful lifestyle without conviction. In the past, the devil sought to persuade Jesus to abandon his faith because he was destitute of physical food. Jesus demonstrated that relying on the word of God had the greater importance. The devil sought to entice Jesus with wealth and power that is earnestly pursued in the world even today. But Jesus must first follow him. Jesus rebuked Satan and said there is but one God, and him only would he serve. Finally, Satan sought out to set Jesus at odds with God by willful contempt. Jesus answered, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. The lesson learned here is that if you resist the devil, dear viewers, he will flee from you. If Jesus is first in your life, when tested and tried, you will always make the right decision. The scripture in Exodus used the word before, whether it means in the place of or in addition to. The principle is the same. We must not have other gods in the place of one true God, nor have others in addition to him. In our lives, he alone must occupy our hearts. Let us read in Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. If you'd like to know more about God's Word in the church and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. And until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., expressing my sincere appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come to your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hall of His hands. The church band will end the program this morning with the song entitled, Bought with a Price.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.